Well, hello there. Welcome. Episode 117 of the Radio MVP Sports Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Tim, along with Anthony. And wow, what a weekend. Uh, high school sports playoffs begun. A lot of blowouts, as expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, college football had some interesting ball games to talk about. No one regionally to talk about because they didn't play. Uh, COVID showed his head again in the NFL. The Browns are 4-1. and one. And, uh, well, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next week. <laughs> uh, sounds like a repeat, but, you know. That, hey. sounds, like, uh, that sounds like a uh, typical post-game show for a game now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, it just it, it's a quick wrap, and we'll see you next week. You don't get in-depth on anything. <laughs> or to the, start. Joe T- the Joe Tate wrap-up show. Many years ago, many yeah. years ago, I was I, my very first radio job. I was in Western Pennsylvania. I was in uh, Green, Greenford or not Greenford, Greenville, excuse me. And Green, yeah, basically in the middle of a freaking cornfield. OK, <laughs> and this little ho- little house that next door sat one of the co-owners of the station. And in the back, in the middle of the cornfield was the towers. OK, to just give you an idea. Now, they were mm-hmm. the person who ran the station ironically was not really a western pennsylvania fan sports fan uh that we had uh penn state football and basketball mm-hmm. but we had cleveland browns football and cleveland cavaliers basketball mm-hmm. uh were affiliates of and we were the pittsburgh pirates affiliate so it tells you in the evening it was all sports almost all yeah, the, the time. wide range yeah yeah but what was unique was, like I said, they were the Browns and the uh, Cavaliers fill it. So mm-hmm. many years ago, I was running the board, uh, doing a Cavaliers game. And this is the Mike Fratello era of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So give you an idea when mm-hmm. it's happened. It was one of those games that just dragged on forever. Maybe a double overtime, triple overtime. Yeah. And I think the, 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 uh, the Cavs won that ball game. And right before the ending of the game, Joe Tett gave out a warning to everybody. He goes, the post-game show will be coming and it will be quick. And we will be out of here in the next (laughs) 10 minutes. Now, granted, there's three built-in breaks into the post-game show. The legitimate post-game show. There's an opener, a middle, and an end, right? There's three breaks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He came back. He came back, did the score, gave a quick quarter roundup kind of what i do nowadays when i do high school football about yeah. each quarter mm-hmm. and he says you're listening to the cleveland cavaliers radio network boom we're out first break we come back he literally does two minutes of the scoring of individuals boom back out <laughs> another two minute breaks we're we're six minutes into a 10 minute what he said was going to be the post game show came back gave the scores from across the league Told everyone have a wonderful night, as he always says. He goes, have a good night, yeah. everybody. And out the door, it was nine minutes long. It was under ten minutes, and <laughs> that was the post game show. So God bless him. <laughs> it, it may have been less than nine minutes. Be quite honest with you, most of it was commercials. It was the most amazing thing. <laughs> I never forgot that. I learned a great, valuable lesson, which I have improvised many times mm-hmm. in my broadcast career. Uh, when we need to do a quick wrap up, uh, 
and get in, just, make your point, get, get out. Yeah, get in, get out, get the commercials in, and get yep. the hell out. And it was hysterical. But yeah, it literally was less than ten minutes, and probably six minutes of it was commercial. If you look at the way sports are nowadays, that's how most post game shows are in any sport. Really, you know, the Indians aren't very long, and right. Uh, I mean, why you doesn't have right. a long one? It's it's in out and we're done. It's you know, years um, ago, years ago, post game interviews were almost guaranteed, win or lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Interview with the coach is almost guaranteed, win or lose. Yep. Now the Indians always have, for them, for the most part, the manager wrap up at the end yes. of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't necessarily on the radio anymore have a player of the game interview. Uh, back when no, I not was unless young, it's a big time play at the end. Yeah. Right. Back at when I was young, there was always a three to five minute interview with a player, even if it was from mm-hmm. the opposition. Uh, let's say the Indians mm-hmm. played the White Sox and lost. They would have the starting pitcher on from the White Sox yeah. to talk, you know, talk about the game and congratulate him and, and you move on, mm-hmm. but they would, it didn't matter. Or let's say, uh, you know, someone had two home runs in the game or someone had a base hit the one ball game, whatever the case yeah. may be. Even if it was just two or three questions, it was almost guaranteed everything. Once in a great while, there wasn't there and they would apologize and move on. But for the most part, they had a microphone set up and they would get someone from the Indians to bring that player to the microphone and put a headset on and, and do a quick interview. It was mm-hmm. almost guaranteed. Now you see that on the TV side where Andre Knott would always get the player after yeah. the game and, and everyone before him too. But yeah, that was the way it was done. It was literally, and I've done that. Uh, I can't tell you how many countless times where, yeah, we have sponsors this sponsor certain parts of the post game show so you know you're going to do them but you're going to get in and out really quick when you do them yeah yeah and uh but you know and, well, and get, you, go ahead you know if you listen to any of our high school broadcasts we've done the last four years it's i think we're 10 15 minute wrap up if that and you know it's the uh scores it's a stats from each, each team uh the scoring drive summaries and the player of the games and that's it yeah, yeah if I not could a get, lot of chatter afterwards. And, well, no, there is. If we can get Matt to uh, not talk, it goes even faster. You know, but uh, yeah, you're right. And I, I kind of like that because if I'm a listener, I probably listened to the game or I watched the game. So I already know, know what happened. Right. Um, and for those who didn't watch or listen to the game and catch it at the tail end, if you all have, you know is the quick point what happened. Right. And you're right. If you have the production back at the studio, which we do a lot, mm-hmm. uh, you mm-hmm. can do a wrap up with highlights. The Indians do that almost every game, just the Indians highlights, not the opposition highlights with mixed within, uh, you know? Yes. And many teams do in football. You hear that, you know, in the first quarter it was, let's, you know, quarterback John Smith through to, you know, yeah, Carl Jones for a touchdown, boom, and, he, and here comes the play, mm-hmm. and, and and that's yes. been done many times. Yes. or you know, in the second that's quarter they hook up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, that, and that's yeah. the way it's always been done. But that's not, you know, we're kind of getting on a, a whole tangent here. But yeah, that's that's the way post games are, and it's no big deal. But uh, getting back to this week, reason I said it that way is, yeah, I feel like we're repeating ourselves because nothing's really changed. Uh, except the Browns are winning. 
And that's new. Uh, the Broncos aren't playing because they keep getting pushed back. And uh, the NFL is, uh, you know, don't know what to do with the COVID situation. Tennessee, you know, is going to play Tuesday. Uh, hopefully they won't have any more positives going forward. Uh, the New England Patriots, you know, was pushed back to Monday last week. And then yep. this week they were looking at playing a Monday or Tuesday again, and it got pushed back to next Saturday, yeah. next next Sunday. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I look at the situation and I've said it on Twitter a few times the last two weeks, both these two teams should have been isolated for two weeks and you can make up these games. Uh, if you have to push the season back one week, no big deal. Because uh, you do have the buy going into the Super Bowl. Uh, you can find a way to get yes. it done. Uh, I know they have their schedule and they don't want to alter it. It's going to be interesting to see if there's another outbreak in the NFL uh, the rest of the season. They may not be. It could be very isolated, kind of like baseball went through with the Marlins and St. Louis. There was a couple small outbreaks in in uh, mm-hmm in Philadelphia and a couple other places, but they were able to contain them. Uh, we'll see if the NFL, how they handle it the rest of the way. I mean, we're only five games into the season and they're already rescheduling games and uh, bye weeks. So it's going to be, yeah, this it's is going to a- be precarious and it's going to be interesting to watch and see how they handle it the rest of the way. Cause there's still 11 weeks of regular season football to be played. Both professional sports leagues, uh, Major League Baseball and the NFL that started over the last ones to start have both been impacted largely uh, by the coronavirus. And unlike in baseball, where you can have double hitters back to back to back nights, not ideal. You can't do that in the NFL. I was talking to somebody this week and I was almost and I'm of the idea of you don't want to uh, expect a team or teams to have an outbreak on the team but at this point where we're at it's inevitable you know if you're not going to go into a bubble like the nba and nhl did you had to expect there were going to be teams that had outbreaks that caused you to cancel games i would have scrapped um the three or four um interdivisional games meaning you know I would have scrapped the AFC versus NFC and built your schedule playing only AFC or only NFC games that way to where now if you had a outbreak and you had to cancel a game, you had built-in bibles you can play with. Now, like you said, you have some, but you don't have a ton of flexibility now um, you know, to play with. And yeah. it causes a big scheduling headache moving games up, pushing games back, um, moving teams by weeks up, moving teams by weeks back. So, Well, I think Adam Schefter talked about this before the season back early August. And I mentioned, and I may have mentioned mm-hmm. it here on our podcast. I don't know if I did or not, but I thought his, his idea should have gotten more play in the NFL. Uh, this was his concern going forward because of what happened to baseball. Learn from baseball. Let's not make the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have the advantage of going last and uh, let's, let's take a full advantage. Mm-hmm. And his thought process, and then I kind of agreed with it was, you know, the NFL scheduling is done on a rotation every year. Uh, like mm-hmm. East plays East, East plays central, East plays West, East plays Southeast, yes. that type of thing. Mm-hmm. 
yes. you, on a four-year yes. rotation. Well, this yes. year it's East versus West. So it's the longest trips in the schedule, I'll meaning be, you're yeah. traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast or vice versa, East mm -hmm. Coast to the West Coast. So in order, and, and instead of having, just push that back to next year and go regional this yep. year. Uh, have the East play the East in the, uh, you know, NFC versus AFC play regional games yep. where they can be done. Like, for example, let's say like today we've seen Pittsburgh played Philadelphia, which makes total sense. But, you know, uh, however, you know, the AFC East is traveling out West later this month and stuff like that. So you could avoid those mm -hmm. overnight trips and you could avoid it some of that by staying more regional and filling up the schedule yep. and building in the possibility of cancellations where teams would could travel not as far and get a game in and travel home on the same day. Mm -hmm. um, You're exactly right. And I thought, I thought his reasoning was well, uh, went on deaf ears and we'll see how the season progressed. I mean, I know, as much as you did, and we talked about this back in June, that the NFL was going to, you know, bore its heads through no matter what. They're going to be because, very bullish. You're exactly yeah. right. The and, money situation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the craziness going down in Florida right now. Uh, I don't know if you read this, but the governor in Florida has okayed the I Miami to have 100% capacity. Now, I'm not sure the NFL yes, or – Miami Dolphins will allow that to happen, but for goodness sakes, how stupid, especially he with also, everything we've dealt with as a country here in the last two weeks. He also allowed uh, not just the Dolphins, but all colleges to have full capacity. And yesterday after the game, Florida head coach Dan Mullen, after a loss, uh, they host LSU next week at the Swamp. He said he wants to see a packed Swamp. I don't know, Tim. Uh, I don't I, know what we've lost what, our we lost our common sense and our god picking mind. Well, you know they're they're trying to make a political statement when it's not necessary, and it's just so frustrating beyond. Belief. No, you don't need to make this political. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep the 20 percent. If if your department and local health organizations are okay with that. And Florida, you have over 100,000 seats, so you can do 20%, spread them out all across the stadium, wear your face mask. But there is no way, there is no way at all you can have a full capacity. This Now, I know uh, DeSantis left it up to each individual team, athletic department, um, to make their own discretion, um, but they are allowed to have full capacity, which... Uh, it's insanity. I believe it's impossible. Yeah, it's insane. You're not going to have full capacity. Uh, I don't think we'll see full capacity at uh, any of the games in Florida. I think the teams and athletic departments will nix that idea. But I hope. would it surprise you come Saturday afternoon if Florida has 35,000, 40,000? No. And let's be it, honest, it's going to it happen. It wouldn't shock me one bit. No, it's going to happen. You know, unless you put constraints on, on people, I hate saying that people will gather. It's just our nature. And uh, yeah, you're right. Look, I don't wish anybody illness, 
And I hope to hell that it doesn't happen, but science tells you everything. Science hasn't been wrong the entire time. And I don't think they're going to be wrong this time either. And uh, it is what it is. I hate using that saying because it's so ridiculous now because we've been into this Mm -hmm. so many months. We already know what we need to do, but no one wants to do it. So, uh, you know, that's why our county here, Mahoning County, went red this past week. Uh, in the cower schemes of warnings and mm-hmm. the next one is the shutdown of at, at purple so let's hope it doesn't get there for all its sakes and uh yeah we we don't need that again well especially yeah. now that we're in the playoffs at the high school football you know let's let's you know yeah. the kids have worked so hard to play some schools and, only play two exactly, games Tim. some schools have played 10 you know or play, have played six seven games now exactly let's let's give them the best opportunity to play uh, and a lot I'll, of the coaching staffs have worked and, hard. A lot of the administration have worked hard to get to this point. Let's not screw it up for all of them. No, they deserve uh, these kids and these coaching staffs deserve this chance um, because, like you mentioned, they've put in a lot of hours um, of their own time. Probably not going to get paid to make this happen. And we've had a hell of a six weeks, uh, seven now. If you count the teams that played this past weekend, we're going into the uh, round two. And like you mentioned, Tim, they have worked their butt off to make this happen. And for the most part, have done a great job with very little outbreaks. And you hit the nail on the head. These kids deserve it, and these administrations deserve it too. There's no question about it. We'll see how it, how it all plays out. Let's hope for the best. Let's keep doing the, the correct thing. Um, hopefully mm-hmm. most of us will, and – the payoff will be that on a Friday and Saturday night, the rest of the year, we'll see uh, high school football. And speaking of which we will be back on yep. West reserve digital broadcasting on Saturday as Villa mm-hmm. and St. Joe's will invade the ice castle to take on the Ursuline fighting Irish. Yeah. It's uh, a big win this past weekend for Bill Andrew St. Joe's uh, their first of the year, actually, although, Granted, against a really tough schedule that we ran down last week, uh, they beat Navarre Fairless 28-17, and uh, they'll move on Saturday night to face six-seeded Ursuline. Uh, the Irish are coming off a 28-23 thrilling win in the Holy War against Cardinal Mooney. Uh, it'd be really interesting for Ursuline. Um, I think, you know, you had mentioned we're going to see a lot of blowouts early in the playoffs. I think now as we go forward, I think uh, – we're going to have a lot of competitive games, hopefully, you know, for our sake. But I think starting to actually be a really good game. Don't let that one in five record uh, for Bill Angelo St. Joe's um, fool you. Uh, that's a talented football team, a good football team who's played a really tough schedule. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Ursuline A can get healthy. They've had a couple of kids out the last two weeks that obviously has made a difference in their uh, scheming and uh, play. Uh, but uh, I'd like to see Tim Ursuline come out and throw the ball more. And I, and it's weird to say that because the Irish have been a primarily passing team this year, uh, but the last five, six quarters or so, and uh, the Irish have focused on the run game, which is not a bad thing. You have to establish the run game, uh, but Ursuline's best setting up the run off that pass. And the Irish uh, can't throw the ball or not throw the ball. It's going to be tough for them to run the ball. Yeah. I... A young front up front. They're very front on the offensive end. The key, the key for me is their defense. Uh, 
not to break down in the second half of a ball game right now and be able to make plays and get off the field. And the offense can score on any given play at any given time. We know that they have the athletes to do that, mm-hmm. both in the backfield and out wide. And I, I'll be honest, I, I'm just the opposite. I expect more blowouts this week. I expect the blowouts to continue for another two weeks. Yeah. I expect this week and possibly the following week to, to have more blowouts. We just have so many teams in there that are not legitimate contenders, just the way the yes. format is. So you're going to see, I mean, you look at what happened this past week and it, you know, it is, it is the system that they, they came up with. Uh, I mean, you're playing teams that just really don't belong in the field with each other. Like Akron North and, and Harding 42 to nothing. Uh, a very good game. East. Yeah. A very good game with Hubbard and Alliance, a three point game, 42, 38. That must've been a thriller. Uh, Buckeye central defeating Wellsville in a very close game, 32, 29, but then you get, you know, the 14 point or more blowouts the rest of the way. You got Cheney, you know, winning by 14. You got Borman winning by 49. You got Steubenville winning by 36. Uh, you got Howland winning by 21. You have Plymouth all over, you know, Lisbon, just to name. You got Niles winning by 14. By scores, yeah, right? right. You got Lowville, you know, in a close one. But for the most part, you're going to get a lot of blowouts. And that's what we've seen, uh, you know. West Reserve blew out, you know, Columbiana by, you know, doubling score. And, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not shocked by that. I expected those things. And quite honest with you, the teams that are waiting for those teams that, that qualify for this round are probably, most of them are going to be overmatched. And they will lose by 14 or more points again. Mm-hmm. There'll be a few close games and there'll be an upset or two along the way. Always are in the playoffs. And I expect that. But for the most part, the home team won, and the home team's going to win this week. And the way the playoffs are set up this year, that, that home team's going to stay home uh, for a while. So they're going to have a chance to really, you know, use that that familiarity of where they're playing, even though it might not be in front of a lot of uh, fans, more, you know, uh, family and friends. However, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a quality, you know, you're going to see a lot of home teams win just because of the way it's been off, especially if a team has to travel more than two hours to play the game. And I think are we're going they, to see that. Yeah. Uh, are they allowing uh, increased capacity this week with the playoffs? And all, I have not still... heard. I have not heard the exact number. No. I think it's still up to the governor to, to okay the X amount. I think it's 1500 or less or, you know, uh, depending on the capacity of the stadiums. And most of these stadiums are going to hold three to 5,000, maybe 7,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously playing at Youngstown state, you got to have a larger facility, uh, play, but Ursula doesn't have a large backing. No, no. Uh, and, uh, and I'm sure Phil Andros St. Joe's doesn't eat. Right. And they're going to travel 90 minutes to play the game. So, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's not terrible, to be honest with you. But they're going to be teams that travel over two no, hours, it's not. and you know that that's going to be tough. Um, like I said, I, the way it's set up, I expect the home team really to dominate throughout the playoffs, and because of that, I expect most of the games to be uh, fourteen point spreads or better. Uh, I could be wrong. How, we'll see. I don't do think I will be. So far, I've been pretty accurate. We'll see. How do you view Saturday's game? I, I, I'm going to guess here, Anthony, and I'm going to put it about 
let's say a, a 35-14 game, 35-12 game. Yeah, Ursland. I can't I can't see Ursland not putting up close 28 to 30, 35 points in a ball game. That's just too good of an offense. Uh, mm-hmm. If they do, it's because they turn over the ball or they just made bad plays offensively, dropping passes, uh, you know, not not playing through. But with the week off and a week to get a little healthier, a week to hopefully get some of the players that they've missed back, I mm-hmm. think they could be very strong the rest of the way out. And we'll, you know, we'll we'll definitely find out each and every week as we uh, we do the playoffs. Ursuline's big thing is don't beat themselves. Penalties and turnovers, especially turnovers inside the opponent's 10-yard line. There's been two or three of them the last two weeks, um, and they've had a couple personal fouls that, you know, that have not gone their way. Uh, so if Ursuline can do that, then I think, uh, I think they should be all right. But I think it's going to be uh, – I think we're going to have a higher-scoring game and I think it's going to be, I think, pretty competitive, Tim. Well, we'll find out next Friday. Uh, I could Saturday be way night. wrong, and I have no idea at all. Right. Uh, but you're, like you said, yeah, we're going to find out Saturday night at seven o'clock when we tee it up. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's uh, like I say, it's it's going to be interesting. Like I, I expect a lot of the home teams to win, and I'm not an odds maker at all. But I would put the home team plus ten almost on every schedule. Some even bigger because it's just that, in my opinion, in the playoffs, it's just that big of an advantage to play at home, uh, especially at the high school levels. Uh, when you play at home in the first so, round and when it was, you know, just eight teams making it in each region, the home team won something like I want to close to 90% of the games. So uh, I expect that trend to continue going forward. So uh, our friends in the desert, as they say, uh, making the Irish a 10-point home uh, favorite on Saturday. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start calling you Brent Musburger. <laughs> I'm definitely not Jimmy the Greek. I would have to be Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy the Sicilian, I guess, huh? <laughs> Tim, is this West Reserve Radio or uh, 1390 The Gambler we're on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that's that, that's the world we live in today. That's all about that. Yes, but, it is. It's kind of sad because I national sports talk is quite boring most of the time because obviously, Yo, yes, it is. well, it's getting there. You always, I've always had this opinion about it for many years because I've been in and out of sports radio over the years and did local shows and you know had lead-ins. You have to have a great personality, lead the show on a national level, mm-hmm. and or you have to have phenomenal guests daily. When I mean, and you have to have them coming on to talk about the different teams across the nation. I don't care if it's college football or basketball or the NFL or Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Every day you have to focus. You can't just focus about the New York Yankees or you just can't focus about the New England Patriots because 90% of your yep. audience just doesn't care. And that's you're, what happens. You're exactly right. At national level. And honestly, I could care less if you want to talk about the New York Giants or or any of that. And and that's what happened. Yep. Because the big market's dominant. And I get that. I understand that. But mm-hmm. you know, you're living in the Midwest, you could care less. Or if you happen to be a Chicago Bear fan or a Cub fan or a White Sox mm-hmm. fan, you had moments where your teams were the focus, but you didn't have a, a huge moment. Uh 
Yep. But no, you know, that's just the way national talk is. So I can see why it is now gone and our country has changed so much in the last 20 years, Anthony, that gambling is now everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. youngster, you know, we have, we have our own casino over in Austin town. I mean, grant you, it's just a slot machines, but it's a casino and you have your own racetrack and you go to Cleveland, you have that. You go to West Virginia, that you can actually bet on the games. Yep. Uh, you you have you know and the I, cart, the, the table games, and everything going on there. So <clears throat> the gambling has become part of our fabric of our country now. It's everywhere, up than a few states like Utah. For the most part, you can go to any state and find a casino, any state to 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 put any type of gambling on. You can do it through the lottery, or you can do it through a casino, and it's just. So to see sports talk dissipate and change into gambling talk makes total sense to me because uh, you can open up your phone and, and DraftKings has it, you know, you can, or, or, or FanDuel and, and so forth. And a lot yep. of them now you can take in-game bets. You can bet for, during the game as it progresses. So it's just the, the world has changed dramatically in the last 20, 25 years. Yeah, that's why when you turn on uh, College Game Day or the Fox uh, kickoff shows, uh, most of their picks are not straight up anymore. They're against the spread. Well, it has to be because that's what people care you know, about. And when they talk about the matchup, the spreads are listed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I don't have a problem with that. That's it's my... not for me neither. I don't necessarily no. – I haven't really – it's been a very long time since I've actually played any game with a spread. Uh, I'm not saying I won't in mm-hmm. the future or I can't. I just choose not to. I don't see the need. And yep, I think one thing, one thing, in my opinion, is overanalyzed is how much a spread is. Saying, yeah. well, well, Vegas has team. Let's, let's just use, uh, uh, I don't know. Let's let's just use, use the Cleveland Browns. They're four and one. Let's, they're mm-hmm. they're going to be on the road against Pittsburgh, who's four and zero oh next week. And let's say Pittsburgh's installed a six and a half point favorite in that. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know they'll because that's going to be a big talk about game next week, and they're gonna they're gonna say, well, look at look at Vegas. They never get it wrong. Yeah, they do. You know why? That point spread yes, is, they do. is that point spread is to get both sides betting on the game. Yep. And you want the emotional yes, better as much as the the better who uses Far his, better exactly who uses information yes. to try to make a quality bet to win more often than lose. And that's all it's about. It's about the house making money. It's not about actually picking the winner of the game. It's about the house making money. And I never forget that fact. Now, do they usually get the quote favorite and the winner of the game right? Yeah. Why? Yes, that's their jobs. They're supposed to. Mm-hmm. If they did it, they would be out of business as a gambling institution. Uh, so I think. But I think it's a crutch that a lot of national sports people do. They they use that as it's easy. Yes, it's a crutch. It's an easy thing to go to. It's an easy thing to point out. Instead of talking about how the defenses are run because no one cares, or how the offense is designed because no, no one cares. What we care about is the final score. What we care about if you do gamble in the game, did you win or did you lose? We care about your fantasy points because that's a form of gambling. And you have daily fantasy and you have a season-long fantasy. So that's what we all care about. We don't care necessarily about uh, the wins and losses. 
we do have our fan favorites, but the NFL's changed too. Uh, it's now more than ever rooting about players doing well for you can make money off of it. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, the way sports has gone, and it's the way sports will continue to go in the next five years. Uh, I believe Pittsburgh's getting a sports book next year or the year after that. Probably, yeah. Or yeah, Pennsylvania has Pittsburgh it. We're getting a sports book. Yes, Pennsylvania has it. And you know what? Good for them. I don't blame them one bit. You have to compete against New Jersey. You have to compete against Ohio uh, for that dollar, that gambling dollar. You have to offer this. You have to compete against West Virginia. These are the states that, are, you know, there's mm-hmm. talk in Ohio that is coming here very soon. And a matter of fact, I, you know, and I'm not a uh, proponent or a person against it. I'm just saying mm-hmm. uh, from what I've read, it's coming here in Ohio very soon. It's coming. And, well, no, there's it's bills. Coming. There's bills out there that the governor basically said it'll sign. And quite honestly, it was shocking is the, and, and this is, this is getting a little political here. Yeah. Uh, most states take advantage of the situation and make money off of it for the state uh, through taxing and mm-hmm. licensing. Ohio's giving it all away. Basically one, one <laughs> of the lowest percentage uh, and one of the lowest uh, licensing fees in the nation. So uh, I, I don't quite get that, but that's what they've chose to do. So uh, yeah, I, it'll probably be here by this time next year, if not sooner. But that's a totally different story we don't even have to get into. Yep. We kind of got off on a side side uh, pat, uh, thing. and uh, But uh, I got to talk about my Cleveland Browns here for a second. Holy smokes, we're four and one. Please go ahead. I I have not watched any football today. Yeah. I've watched baseball. Yes. Well, I'll let you talk baseball here in a second. Uh, The Browns, you know, came into this a little banged up. Obviously, no no, uh, Nick Chubb. uh, And facing Indianapolis, who is, quite honestly, one of the best defenses this year in the NFL. They picked Baker off twice in the ball game. Uh, They put some pressure on him. But I thought Baker actually survived the game well. Uh, the second half, the first half, he played much better than the second half. But the second half, he played well enough to help them win. They had a big six, pick six against uh, Rivers, which was huge in the ball game. And you know what? They're four and one after five weeks of play in the NFL. They haven't done that since 1994. Uh, Bill Belichick was the coach of the Cleveland Browns at the time. I think Vinny Testaverde was the quarterback. Uh, it tells you how long ago. Um it might have been actually Bernie Kosar uh, that year. And then that's when they made the switch. Or was that 95? I'm not sure. To be honest, 93, 94. It was so long ago. Anyways, but but basically the Browns 2.0.16 or 17 or 18, 19, whatever you want to call it now. <laughs> uh, uh, basically, uh, this is the first time they've ever been 4-1. So uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. And for the first time ever, Really, you got to go back, not ever, but you got to go back to about 2002 where we have a Steelers-Browns week coming up. That matters. Yeah, that was uh, that was last time the Browns made the playoffs, right? Yeah. I don't remember. The wild card game they lost? Yeah. I mean, you could maybe say they had a good uh, – the games in 2007, I think, or 2008 when they won 10 games that year. But you have to go back that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, even last year's games That's really incredible. didn't matter. Uh, the, the Browns never got on track last year. And, 
you know, they did get lucky. I don't want to say lucky, but they did do things last season they never did before, like beat Pittsburgh, like beat Cincinnati, and beat Baltimore all in one season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was the most you could take out of last season. Uh, however, right now they're four and one, and last year they won six games. So it's encouraging. And, you know, Stefanski is uh, getting the job done early in the season. I don't want to uh, go too far on that, but. You know, hey, you got to give credit where credit is due. The game plans have worked. The defense is getting by. It has its ups and downs. And hopefully mm-hmm. they will uh, get better as we go forward. And uh, Miles uh, is just playing phenomenal. Uh, Miles Garrett is just absolutely out of his mind. It is crazy watching him. He got a, uh, I think, credit three sacks today in the ball game, including one in the end zone which was a penalty uh, rivers threw the ball away and they called intentional grounding. And there was two points there. That was a really a turning point in the second half for the Browns. And I'm, I'm not almost speechless about where they're at uh, during the game. I tweeted out, is this the game Baker Mayfield has to put the t- basically put the team on his shoulders and win the ball game for him. Cause they weren't running the ball well in the first half and he played really well in the second half. They actually did run the ball better. And he didn't play as well. He did have a couple of drop passes along the way. Not all his fault, but they survived. And uh, what a huge win. And I'm, uh, I'm really uh, starting to believe this team has a chance to do something special this year. We're only five weeks into the season, 11 weeks to go. You take it one week at a time in the NFL. But next week will be a huge, huge yardstick to, to measure against. Uh, that game, I believe, is in Pittsburgh. They have to go on the road and compete at Heinz Field where they never really win. Uh, we're going to find out how good the Browns are next week. Yeah, it really breaks my heart to see the biggest crybaby in all of sports uh, having a rough game. I have no warm feeling for Phil Rivers at all. I think he's the most overrated player in the NFL. I think he's the biggest crybaby in all of sports. And whenever he stinks, it warms my heart with joy. I can't stand him. And let me guess – when he got stacked one of those 10 times or how many times he got stacked, he probably landed on somebody else too, because it's never Phil Rivers fault. Never Phil Rivers fault at all. Well, on the an intentional grounding, as you just mentioned, uh, yes. he was in the end zone, obviously, and mm-hmm. he was pressured and he threw it out wide and there was no one there. As a matter of fact, threw it into the sideline, past the line of scrimmage. And it was basically the closest defensive player was about, eh, 10 to 15 yards away from the pass. And there was no offensive player around, you know, how the NFL officials gathered together. And they also, you know, not just gather together, they talk it over and then make a decision. The flag comes out and, Mm -hmm. and so forth. All right. And once it was announced, it was grounding, uh, intentional grounding in the end zone. It would be called a safety. He immediately went to the officials says, my player ran the wrong route. He was supposed to go out that way. That play was a good play, and and it was hysterical as he was trying to say, "Look, you can't blame me for guy. throwing a ball where he was supposed to be." <laughs> this guy, uh, he is something else. I remember one time last year when he still played for the Chargers, and he stunk. He had a screen pass to whoever the Chargers running back was, and Tim, it was probably a from. Probably near the window in there, so probably three yards. Yeah, he fired it over the guy's head like 15 yards, 
and he went ballistic at the running back for not catching it. And then he decided, like, he got shot in the chest, and he flailed back. And he's – I can't stand him. I think he's overrated. I am glad he's never won anything in his life. And I don't – I think he's a bottom-tier quarterback in the NFL that can't escape pressure and that when you get to him, you're either going to get a sack, a grounding call, or a pick. His ball security is not very good either. So – Good for Philip Rivers. I hope he enjoys that all the way back to Indianapolis tonight. He can all he can make all the excuses. Can't stand. Cannot stand him. <laughs> all I'm concerned about is the Browns. I won. can't, Tim. I can't stand Philip Rivers. I can tell. That's fine. I, I have no problems with that because, quite honestly, I don't watch him play that often. And I, you know what? He's had a few great years in his career where he really didn't have a lot of people around him. However, uh, when you look at overall picture of his career compared to the other quarterbacks that came out at that mm-hmm. time with Manning and uh, yep. others in that draft. Yeah. Uh, I think people will always want say that he's probably underachieved compared to the others. How you've been to one Super Bowl and they lost it. And the, the others have all won Super Bowls. No, no, he never made a Super Bowl. I thought they got to the and one. He's never made a Super Bowl. I thought they got to one. Maybe no. I'm wrong. No, no. I don't think, no, I don't, Tim, I'm not sure he's ever won a playoff game. I would, I, you know what? I'll have to check that for next week because I'm not going to do it now. Some reason I was thinking the Chargers made a, a Super Bowl about like four or five years ago, but maybe I'm wrong. No, they, um, Philip Rivers, they might have won one playoff game and got beat in the divisional round. Okay. Um, no, the last Super Bowl they made was uh, Kellen Winslow and all them. Okay. Yeah, wow. Some reason I was thinking they made it about like five, six, seven years ago, but it doesn't really matter. It's insignificant. Like you said, they never won. Uh, but yeah, I don't remember Super Bowls no more. I used to know them all, but as the years gone by, especially in the last 20 years, I, I they're just a, a blimp on my radar because I, because quite honestly, the Cleveland Browns never competed even for a Super Bowl. So why would I care? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. You know, uh, hey. No, I don't. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm. I don't think he's won many playoff games, which is fine by me. Uh, what's that? I said I don't. I think he's might have won maybe one, two playoff games. Yeah, and that's yeah. totally fine by me. Yeah, because uh, uh, as you can tell, I I don't I don't care for him very much. Yeah, no, no problem. So, no, no worries. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that uh, his career is what, it, what, what, you know, explains for everything. Let's put it that way. And uh, when you there? Look, yeah. Uh, when you talk about, uh, I know you said you watched some baseball today. So what, what happened? So you watched some baseball today. Tell me what happened. Uh, well, right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Rays and Astros have just started game one of the American League Championship Series. The Astros are in the ALCS for, I believe, the fourth straight year. Um, and they were 29 and 31 this year to finish the season and made the playoffs only because of the expanded postseason. Um, they swept the Twins in the uh, Wild Card Series. They beat up on the A's 3-1 to one to win the division series. And now they're tied in the fifth inning. Um against the Rays. Uh, that Rays-Yankees ALDS, I don't know if you caught any of it. Uh, that was a hell of a series. That was a hell of a series. Uh, Aroldis Chapman's postseason nightmares 
continued as Mike Brusso came in off the bench and hit a go-ahead home run in the eighth inning. Yes, Mike Brusso. Everybody knows who Mike Brusso is outside of Tampa Bay. Um, and the uh, Braves and Dodgers. Uh, the Braves and Dodgers meet tomorrow in the NLCS. Neither team has lost yet in the postseason. The Braves are just mashing their way. Yeah. And the Dodgers are uh, who have been the most dominant team in baseball all year. So um, three teams that you thought might get there with the Rays, um, Ash or Rays, Dodgers, and Braves. Uh, I picked the Rays in in June if there was a season to win the whole thing. So I'm going to stick with it. So we'll see, but uh, yeah, there is still baseball going on, which makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, it, it was a, uh, an exciting series uh, with the Yankees and the Rays and uh, Chapman giving up that home run late and the Rays moving on. And let's, let's face it. Uh, there's going to be intriguing that matchup with the Astros because it's the Astros and the history with the Astros yes. and what's going yes, on. And deep down, Anthony, let me ask you this. How much yes. do you think the, the mm-hmm. Dodgers would love to have another shot at the Astros? Oh, I think they want them hundred percent. I, I think, I think they want them a hundred percent and I would not be surprised if um, say the Dodgers wrap their series up in four or five and the ALCS goes six or seven, that if you don't have Dodger players coming out publicly saying we want Houston to win, if they haven't already said that, yes, I think they would love that. Yeah. And it's a shame uh, that it's such a screwy year that you can't have fans that, uh, you know, won't be home field advantage really. Well, it'll be interesting if it is the Astros playing next, you know, in the, in the world series. Now, Grinch is on the other side of Texas, and they're going to allow about mm-hmm. just under 12,000 fans yes. at the games. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting, won't yes. it? It's not going to – I mean, I'm not going to say yeah. a complete yes, neutral will. field, but it's going to be interesting. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But, uh, to be quite honest with you, I think the Rays are the better team, and the Rays will probably win this, win the ALCS. However – Yes, I think, I think it would be it. a more interesting, more fun matchup if it's the Dodgers and the Astros, because I think the whole world will be rooting against the Astros. And there's no team in baseball who feels more um, what's the right more offended or have been more has had oh, yes. the biggest yeah. the biggest offended, uh, yeah, uh, disgraced. Right. Yeah. Uh, what happened yeah. to them because of the Astros, yeah. Uh, cheating scandal and well we'll see what happens i don't know uh but yeah i I still think the two best teams will probably meet and that's the Rays and the dodgers so with you know the way i pick things go against me and you'll we'll have the other two in the world series well how about this uh brian snitker the manager for the braves you know i said they start tomorrow night his son is the hitting coach for the houston astros I did not know that. I did not know that either. I was watching the uh, pregame show today. Uh, he's only 31 years old. Yeah, I imagine he's new this year. He is 31 uh, years old. Yeah, yes. Uh, yes. And uh, I don't know if he's someone ba- Dusty Baker brought in or someone who's through the system who, because of the, the COVID season, decided to uh, 
you know, they decided to use him because someone opt out on the season. Uh, who knows? He was, uh, he, he was drafted by the Astros and then he got his, uh, coaching career started with the Astros minor league organization. So I believe he's worked his way up like a Mike Sarbaugh right. uh, has for the Indians. And uh, I believe all the Astros players, because the Astros are a lot of homegrown guys, yes, Regman and Altuve mm-hmm. and Correa and Springer. Um, they all raved about how he helped them develop. And I believe this year when Baker went to go make his coaching staff, it was a pretty easy uh, move to hire him because all the guys loved him. So so that'd be kind of interesting to see uh, Dusty Baker and the Astros uh, yeah, match up I, against know, Brian Snitker so he can have a father-son World Series. Yeah, But I don't think we're going to see that, Tim. No, I think it's going to be the Rays and I think it's going to be the Dodgers. But, you know, watch Atlanta and mm-hmm. <laughs> watch the Strohs, uh, yep. you know, put <laughs> – Exactly. Make, make my statement look like fools. Exactly. But um, I will say this. I like Dusty Baker. Always have. I always thought. I do too. He's I a do quality. Too. He's a good baseball he's guy. A, yeah, just a lifer, you know. And you love seeing guys like that succeed, yeah. especially late in life, and they don't have the opportunity necessarily. He was out of baseball for a couple of years, and then this opportunity came. A very good baseball team and a very strange year, and here he is knocking on the door of a World Series. He's I, not sure if he managed the World See, Series. He's had a lot of. No, I. Th- I think he's taking he's five teams to the playoffs. Yeah, he's taking five teams to the With playoffs. The Cubs, the Reds. Yeah, uh, I think he's uh, the, the first the team. Nationals. He took- yeah, he's had a lot of postseason disappointments. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I think he was. He started his his uh, manager managerial career with the with the Giants. He mm-hmm. was a longtime Giants manager. Yes, you're right. And you're then right. you know with and was, was he was- there when they lost to the Angels? Uh, was he there when they lost to the Angels in the World Series? That was been or, the that would have been the A's because Bochy was there forever. That would have been the A's back uh, when Eckersley beat him. The the um, no the earthquake. Okay, okay, okay. The earthquake World okay. Series. I would put him. He might have been the manager that year. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure, uh, but he was a longtime Giants manager. Of course, Chicago Cubs manager, Cincinnati Reds manager. He's been around. I mean, there's a few other teams I know he's managed. Baker was uh, with the Nationals not too long ago. Baker and- was, he was the Giant from 93 to 2002. His last season was the World Series loss to the Angels. Okay. Uh, the Cubs, the Reds, the Nationals, and now the Astros. Yeah. So, yeah, the World Series, the, the earthquake so, was 89. So, it was a little bit prior yeah. to him but yeah mm-hmm. uh he's been everywhere and you know i hate i know why he took the job and i don't blame him matter of fact i i, I supported that i we were on this podcast and i said yeah dusty yes, baker's out there and either boston or uh or or houston needs to go get him and houston went and got him and i thought it was a great move and for them and uh he would bring some credibility to the building and he does and it's going to be tough rooting against him personally because I like him. I think he's a good, good baseball man. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like everybody else, I'll be rooting against the Astros just because they're Astros and what's gone on. And we'll see what transpires going forward in, uh, in Major League Baseball. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a good LCS series in both the National League and the American League. And 
hopefully they'll both go at least six games, maybe seven, and make it really interesting. And then we can mm-hmm. have a nice long series, you know, six, seven games in the World Series and let the best team yep. survive. Yeah, I uh, I think the Astros Rays are probably going to go six, if not seven games. Um, or maybe I'm hoping for that, like you mentioned. And uh, hopefully the World Series uh, delivers again. Because it's been kind of a – last year was kind of cool, but uh, besides that, it's been kind of – yeah, Boy, I gotta be honest. I gotta be honest. When the Indians lost in the first round, I didn't watch any of the uh, the divisional round games. I caught a few yeah. innings, but not much. Uh, but mm-hmm. I am ready to watch baseball again this week, and uh, probably the rest of the way out. Uh, it's still still a great game, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. As for our team in Cleveland, the Cleveland Baseball Club, we'll see what happens. They had their end of the year post-conference uh, the other day, and nothing really was said that you didn't hear, didn't know. Obviously, the illness of Terry Francona yeah. was a little bit more serious than anyone. We knew it was serious. We just didn't yeah. know what to what extent. Now we know more about him than mm-hmm. we did the president of the United States. And uh, we need to uh, hopefully, you know, get him healthy and on the right track and hopefully uh, back in the dugout na- next year. I'm very curious to see this offseason what happens to uh, Sandy Alomar. Uh, I won't be surprised if he's offered a job somewhere. It'll be interesting to see if the Indians step up to try to retain his services. Uh, but I don't know how you do that, to be quite honest with you. And, uh, but we'll just well, have to wait and see. I know, uh, I know Tito, uh, you know, I don't want to get on, on the Indians, you know, long here because we have from now until – February uh, to when the season starts again to talk about them. But uh, Tito did mention that he will meet with Brad Mills this coming week. Mills is coming down to Arizona to spend a couple of days with him. And they are, are going to discuss Mills's future for next year um, and see where that is. Um, it would not shock me, Tim, if Brad Mills decides that his time in the dugout is over and maybe transitions to a consulting um, advisory role within the Indians organization and they promote Sandy Almar to bench coach to keep his services. Well, um, because like you said, how much longer can you keep him at first base until somebody comes offering? Well, here's the truth of the matter. Someone's going to offer him an interview this year. I heard him already make a statement that he's not looking for yes. a token interview anymore. He wants an interview where he has a legitimate shot at the job. Exactly. And I don't blame him one bit. Uh, I think his resume speaks for itself. Absolutely not. And uh, whoever, like I said, it won't shock me. And as I'll say this again, and I may be 100% off base, but I think the New York Mets is a perfect landing spot for him going forward. I really, truly do. I think with Sandy Alderson taking back over that club, once that the sell is completed to, uh, to Cohen, that it's just a matter of, uh, a new new general manager will be in place and a new manager will be brought in. And I won't be surprised if Sandy Alomar is high on their list. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. I don't know if they have made any uh, statements for or against keeping uh, Luis Rojas as their manager. Uh, another team to keep an eye on for me uh, with him is the Boston Red Sox. But I don't know if he'll take that job with it being a complete rebuild. I think they've got to 
uh, they're going to do a complete rebuild with that. I think I think um, the fired manager is coming back. Oh, you think Ron Rennick is coming back? No, the one he replaced. Or no? Oh, oh, oh you think Cora? Yes, I think Cora. It wouldn't back. shock me at all, Tim. Yeah, it would not. It would not shock me at all. I think Cora's. I think that's a done deal. I really do. I think that's why they fired him immediately. He was only going to be. A, they needed someone for one year. It was a weird, strange year. Things went yep. sour, and they move on. And I think Core is back. And I personally think that's disgusting for the game of baseball. But that's how they set it too. up. But we'll see. I mean, I could be wrong. Well, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not part of their organization. But yeah, I think Core is coming back. I think it's it's not maybe a done deal, but I think it's it's going to be very well, uh, very much looked at, and uh, going forward. Anyways, Anthony, we're just about done here. I don't know what else to talk about. Uh, yeah. Cleveland Browns are 4-1. That's all that matters right now. And we're two weeks away from uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes hitting the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notre Dame, are they playing again yet? Yeah, they uh, uh, they beat Florida State last night, 42-26. And uh, the quickest and easiest way to sum it up for me, Tim, is it's a win and Ronda Louisville. That's about the only thing that I can take out of that game. It's a win and you move on. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, it's, it's a strange year. We've all said that and we're all dealing with it. But it's such a strange, perfect year because the Cleveland Browns are 4-1. and one. And the Irish are undefeated still. Hey, there we go. So and the Penguins are keep what? It up and, like 100 uh, days away. <laughs> yeah, February 21st at 3.30 at uh, – at the Fargo Dome, it will be a uh, special spring edition well, of the Ice Cash Report this year. Yeah, well, you know, so, um, uh, it's against North Dakota? Is that the first game against? Uh, North Dakota State. We're, we're in the Fargo Dome at 3.30. Okay. Yes, yes, it is. Okay, that's so, that's the defending champions, correct? Yes, it is. Yep. And yes, sir. We'll, we'll see their new quarterback. Yes, uh, Trey Lance has opted out. He will not... Uh, he's entered the NFL draft, so we will see probably another superstar at North Dakota State at quarterback. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise for the Penguins, huh? Amen to that. I'm thinking positive, Tim. I'm thinking positive, and uh, we'll have a special, uh, hopefully, nine-episode ice cast report this year uh, for our Penguins in the spring. So uh, stay tuned for that. All right. Let's end it there. Anthony, thank you for your time. We'll talk to you next week right here on Radio MVP. Have a safe week, everyone.